so many singing the praises of our great God. Have your Bibles this morning. You'll be finding 2 Thessalonians, please. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 will be there in a moment. Pastor H.P. Charles tells the following story about a woman maybe knew growing up that uh, showed up at church each week and prayed the same simple prayer. Her prayer was this, O oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. O oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. And she prayed this prayer week after week. He said the kids at church would start laughing every time she opened her mouth because they knew it would be the same prayer. O oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. And finally, somebody asked her, why do you say that same little prayer? She said, well, I'm just combining the two prayers that I know. We live in a bad neighborhood, and some nights there are bullets flying, and I have to grab my daughter and hide on the floor. And in that desperate state, all I know how to cry out is, Oh Lord. But when I wake up in the morning and see that we're okay, I say, Thank you, Jesus. When I got to take my baby to the bus stop, and she gets on that bus, and I don't know what's going to happen to her while she's away, I cry, Oh Lord. And then when 3 p.m. comes and that bus arrives and my baby is safe, I say, thank you, Jesus. She said, those are the only two prayers I know. And when I get to church, God has been so good. I just put my two prayers together. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. That's a wonderful testimony. That's a wonderful prayer. I think that dear lady truly loved the Lord Jesus very much. She had a great faith in him. And she knew that he was the one that she needed in those desperate times and also in those times where he has answered her prayers. But I'll be honest with you, and I do not mean to be unkind. I think it's also somewhat of a sad story. And please hear me and don't misunderstand me. Uh, I think it's sad in a sense because it seems that she had not grown in her prayer life. She had those two simple prayers and they were wonderful prayers and she prayed them often and meant them genuinely. But she had not grown to pray other prayers. And the thing about our prayer lives is we have to grow in our prayer life. And it was uh, Dr. Robert A. Cook who said that all of us have one routine prayer in our system And once we get rid of it, then we can really start to pray. Warren Wiersbe said that with some praying, it's like putting the needle on a phonograph record. Y'all remember those, don't you? Just putting it on the record and letting it go and forgetting about it. And again, I'm not doubting. I'm not questioning that dear woman's faith or heart. I'm simply making a point this morning that we need to pay attention to what we're praying and we need to grow in our prayer life. And I think this is especially the case when it comes to the element of thanksgiving In our praying. Now, Thanksgiving is a part of your praying, isn't it? It is an element of your prayer life. And again, I'm running the risk of being misunderstood again today by what I'm about to say. 
But really, that's a risk we take every time we stand up and speak. And that isn't it to be misunderstood. I want you to listen real close today. And I want you to hear my heart and what I'm about to say and what we're about to go through in God's word. We have become too focused on this life and our praying and our giving thanks. We have focused way too much on the temporal rather than the eternal. We focus on the physical way more than we have the spiritual. We've forgotten that we are pilgrims and strangers here in this world, and we're just traveling through on our way home, which is heaven. And our thanksgiving has primarily been for things on this earth. We thank God for our food. We thank God for our families, our health, our jobs and the like. Now, hear me. That's good. And that's proper. And that's right. We ought to thank God for those things. They're a blessing from his good hand. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is the fact that there is an additional thanks that we ought to be offering. In fact, if you'll notice, I called this morning's message an unusual title, simply additional thanks. We do a good job offering thanksgiving for the things I just mentioned. But as D.A. Carson noted, by and large, our thanksgiving seems to be tied rather tightly to our material well-being and comfort. Our material well-being and comfort. And as I read those words, what he wrote next was very piercing. He said, if a large percentage of our thanksgiving is for material prosperity, it is because we value material prosperity proportionately. In other words, our focus, our desire and our prayers and our thanksgiving revolve around material prosperity. And material comfort. Now listen, beloved, as followers of Jesus, uh, material prosperity is not our goal. We're called to seek God first in his kingdom. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to be ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to make disciples. We're called to die to self and take up our cross and follow Jesus. But most of our praying and most of our thanksgiving centers upon our comfort and our material well-being. They center upon this world rather than the next world. They center upon the temporal rather than the eternal. Now, again, please don't hear me wrong. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not discouraging anybody today to thank God less for the material things that he gives us. We all, I think, could do a better job in Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of those things kind of like praying. Most people don't say, you know, well, I pray enough because a lot of us realize we don't pray enough. And I think most people say, honestly, I don't give enough thanks because they realize that maybe they need to give more thanks. What I'm saying is do that. Thank God for the material things. Thank God for the blessings he has upon your life and given you. But there are some additional things that we also should be offering. And I think you'll see what I mean as we study a passage in Second Thessalonians today. Second Thessalonians chapter one. And I think you'll see as we look at Paul's prayer life, as we look at what Paul says here, exactly what I'm talking about. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses one through twelve. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses one through twelve. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. 
so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and all of your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is made manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Verse 11. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm told that these precious believers had only been saved for a short time. As you just saw in the passage, they're dealing with difficulty. Uh, they're dealing with, uh, with uh, persecutions and tribulation. Uh, they're dealing with suffering. And I want you to notice that in those 12 verses we just read, the Apostle Paul offers thanksgiving and he offers encouragement and he offers prayer. And as we look at those things, I want you to notice where his focus is. His focus is upon the Lord Jesus. He mentions him several times. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's upon eternity. It's upon what is coming. And uh, it is upon the grace of God that's evident in these believers' lives. Excuse me, but notice as we study how Paul sounds so unlike us at times. As he focuses upon what is truly important. Notice, first of all, beloved, that he gives thanks for them. He gives thanks for them. Verse three is the key verse today. If you look back at it with me in your scripture, uh, it's a verse of thanksgiving. It's offered to God. It's offered as a result of what God has done in the lives of these brothers and sisters. Let's look at it again. He says in verse three, we are bound. That is, this is owed. I owe this. We are bound to thank God always, not just once in a while, but always for you, brethren, as it is fitting. In other words, this is the right thing to do. This is what I need to do. It's the right thing to do because and he's going to mention two things in particular for which he's thankful. Number one, your faith grows exceedingly. And number two, the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. So if you wanted to make a list of what Paul is thanking God for concerning these believers, it was the fact that they were, first of all, growing in their faith. He was thankful that they were growing in their faith. And then secondly, they were abounding in their love. Now, he doesn't mention their health. He doesn't mention their home. He doesn't mention their hearty appetite. He doesn't mention their school or their job or their hobbies. His focus is upon their growing faith. A faith that says that it grew exceedingly. The picture is like a healthy plant that grows and grows and grows. And his focus is is upon what God is doing in their hearts and lives to make them more like the Lord Jesus. And in fact, uh, this faith that is mentioned, of course, begins with salvation. But it's grown from that point onward. So many, if they do give thanks for their faith. They give thanks for their salvation the moment they were saved. Now, hear me, beloved. We ought to thank God for that. 
God forbid we should ever get over that or ever stop thanking God for that. It's only by the grace of God that we're not burning in hell this morning. It's only by the grace of God that we've been forgiven of our sin and made sons and daughters of God. It's only by the grace of God that he reached down and picked us up out of a miry pit and placed our feet on the solid ground. Because of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and the empty tomb. God forbid we should ever get over that or stop thanking God for that. But listen, you realize that's only a starting point in the Christian life, right? That's not the ending. That's the beginning. You come to faith in Christ. You're a babe in Christ. But just like every baby that we've ever seen and ever held and ever cuddled, that baby grows. And if that baby doesn't grow, something's seriously wrong. And so salvation is, yes, we thank God for salvation. But notice he gives thanks here that their faith had grown exceedingly. Now, let me ask you a question. When you're thanking God in your prayer time, when you're praising the Lord in thanksgiving, do you ever give thanks for the growth and faith that you see in a brother or sister in Christ? Let me go a step further. Do you ever thank God For the growth that you see in your life. That God's been working in you. Do you see how we've missed it? How we've kind of missed this additional thanks we should be offering. We're focused on this world. God, thank you for my home. Thank you for my family. And those things are good. Those things are right. But we don't go the next step and say, God, thank you for salvation. And thank you for the faith that's growing in me. Thank you for what you're teaching me. Thank you that I see growth in my life. It's only by your grace. And thank you for my brother in Christ. I've seen you working in his life. Thank you for my sister. I've seen the way you've been changing her. He thanks God for the growing faith. And then he also thanks God here for abounding love. And you notice the abounding love he mentions here is love that they had one for another. Now, you may not realize it, but it's very fitting That Paul offered this Thanksgiving. Um, He had prayed for these things to come about in their lives. You know, he said early in verse three, I'm bound. I owe this Thanksgiving. What's interesting, if you go back to the first book of Thessalonians, you see that these two things he's thanking God for. They were upon his heart. For these brothers and sisters. And he was praying about it. Look at the verses with me. They're on the screen in front of you. First Thessalonians 3.10. Here's what he said. Night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your what? In your faith. Then you come to Second Thessalonians. He says, I'm bound to give thanks for what? For your growing faith. God has heard my prayer. God has answered my prayer. I see that you're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter three, verse 12. He prays this and may the Lord make you increase and abound in what? In love to one another and to all just as we do to you. He's praying that they might grow in their love one for another. And then what do we find? We get the second Thessalonians. He says, I'm bound. It's fitting that I give thanks for what? First of all, your growing faith. And second of all, what? The abounding love that I see that you have one for another. Now, this love they have one for another was abounding love. That idea of abound there in the original language, it has the idea of overspreading. 
like a fire or a flood that covers everything in its path. We're praying right now for the fires going on in the mountains. We're praying for the firefighters and those that are there. We have one in our own congregation there. Pray for them. But, but just like that fire goes along and it covers everything in its path, that's the picture of their love. It was overspreading. It was like a fire or flood. It just covered. And Paul realized that if they were loving each other like that, that they had also grown in their love of God because those two things go hand in hand. If you grow in your love for the Lord, you can't help but to grow in your love towards your brother and sister in Christ and grow in your love for the lost. Why? Because he loves those people as well. And so he's praising the Lord here. Paul knew that they were growing in their love. He thanks God for these brothers and sisters, but he doesn't stop there. Now, I'm not going to take the time to fully develop these next two points, but I want to show them to you because um, they, they help us to see the difference between Paul and us and his focus and our focus. He not only prays for these brothers and sisters, he also encourages them in verses four through ten. He encourages them. They're suffering. They're facing persecution. They're facing affliction. They're facing tribulation. And when he talks to them, he doesn't talk to them about what they're going through at the moment. He ultimately reminds them of their future. He reminds them of what is coming. He reminds them of the Lord's coming. Let's just touch on it real quickly here. He mentions in verse 4. He says, I boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. He says that this is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God. You may be counted worthy. God's working in you for which you also suffer. There's a purpose behind this. And then he reminds them that God's going to set all things right. Verse six, since it is a righteous thing that God to repay the tribulation, those who trouble you. And so God's going to set all things right and he's going to give you rest. Verse seven, you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. And by the way, if you don't know God, you're reading about your future right now. Dear friend, I beg you come to Christ, place your faith in him. Because if you do not know him, it says you do not know him. He's going to take vengeance upon you and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord when he comes in that day. And it's amazing, beloved, when I look at this, he's saying to them, this is not the end. I know you're going through trouble now. I know you're facing persecution now, but think about what's coming. Does it encourage your heart like it does mine to know in this world where there's so much wrong that there's coming a day where God is going to set all things right? And he's going to deal with those who are against him and those who are his enemies. And he's going to give us rest. And so we notice that Paul talks a lot differently than we do at times, doesn't he? He looks at the Lord. He looks at the future. He looks at eternity. Uh, he encourages them. Jesus is coming again. But it brings us to the final thing we find here. He not only thanks God for them, he not only encourages them, but he also prays for them. Now, again, I want you to notice in his praying that he's not praying for material comfort. Instead, he's praying for their continued growth. in the Lord Jesus, look at verses 11 and 12. Verse 11 is the prayer request. And verse 12 is the motive for the reason he prays it. Verse 11. Now notice his prayer request. 
Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling, that you be worthy and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Why? Verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time we prayed like that for our fellow believer? When's the last time we prayed like that? When's the last time we prayed like that for our family? We pray, God, I pray that you would make them worthy of your calling, that you would grow them and help them and fulfill your good pleasure and work in their lives, help them to be um, glorifying the Lord Jesus and, and he be glorified in them. No, we're real busy praying about other things. And that's good. That's right. But, you know, you look at our prayer list. I dare say that probably 98 percent, 99 percent. Is focused on what? Health needs. Is that wrong to pray? No. We should pray for health needs. What I'm saying is this. We're way unbalanced in our thanksgiving, in our praying, in our talking. It's all about here and now. Paul says no. It's about then and there. Do you see what I'm saying today? Do you hear my heart in this? Don't go away saying, oh, we, we shouldn't pray for that. No. We should pray for that, but we shouldn't stop until we pray for the other as well. There should be a balance here. Thank God for the material things in your life. Absolutely. But don't neglect the additional spiritual things that God is doing. And with that in mind, I want you to take that tag that you found today in your pew. Now, if you were here last year... You know that we took this, what we often call a Christmas tree, and it's not decorated Christmas today, and we decorate it as a Thanksgiving tree. And we're going to do that again today. And it'll be up today and this week. It'll be up during the service next Sunday. And after the service next Sunday, you can come and retrieve your tag if you'd like and keep it and place it in your Bibles or reminder. But here's what I encourage you to do. You take this tag, and I, I talked about two types of praying today and two types of Thanksgiving. Number one, we talked about what? Thanking God for the material things. It's right to thank God for our homes and our families and our health and those things. But just as there are two things we think about, there are two sides to this tag. This is how I want to be a little bit different this year, if you would be so inclined. On the one side, take some time and thank God for what we might say those material blessings. Your family or whatever it is you'd like to thank God for. But then, can I encourage you to flip it over today and kind of practice what we've talked about today. To thank God for some spiritual thing in your life. Some spiritual blessing. For instance, you might thank God on the one side for your family. Thank you, God, for my family. On the flip side, you might thank God for your church family and the way that they're ministering to you. So here's what I want us to do in the final few moments today. I want to give you some time to write out your thanksgiving. And when you're ready and when you're done, you can get up from where you are and come and hang that thanksgiving tag on the tree. And we'll give some time for this as you begin to write them. And when you're done, you can go back and be seated and just lift your heart in praise and prayer. And I don't know about you, I like to watch others go for you. You know why? Because it's encouragement to me to see that others 
are grateful and thankful. So I would encourage you two sides today. Use them both as we decorate this Thanksgiving tree to the glory of God. You come when you're ready today as we decorate this tree for the glory of God.